Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. This is a particularly difficult sermon, primarily because the person we feature today, my good friend Donna Hout, has had a particularly difficult journey. Toward that end, we're gonna do something around here that we very, very rarely do. There is a warning I feel I need to attach to our time together today. Some of, of the subject matter is very difficult. The story will cover issues of mental illness, of suicide, and assault. It may be triggering for some. And so if that, there's a chance of that for you, you're free to step out now or at any point, uh, or, or to cut off our online feed if you're watching from home. Like I said, this is an unusual warning, but I feel that what we are going to talk about today is very important and that God can redeem our darkness, whatever it might be. You know, all of us will experience difficult moments in our lives. Some are minor irritations. I overheard a mom telling her son, uh, your shoes are on the wrong feet. And he looked up exasperated and said, mom, these are the only feet I got right here. So some difficult moments are very manageable. Some difficult moments are devastating. I did the funeral of a precious 18-year-old young woman last Saturday. Devastating for her, fam for her family and for her friends. And some of us, much like Donna, whom you'll hear from in a second, are living a life of difficult experiences. Our text for today is known as a psalm of protection. It is invoked in times of hardship. Though no author is mentioned in the Hebrew text of the psalm, Jewish tradition ascribes it to Moses. Other scholars say David. It doesn't really matter. We simply see it as God's word today. Psalm 91, beginning in verse one. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. As I mentioned, we're gonna hear from Donna Hout this, this weekend. Before she joined our staff uh, 22 years ago, Donna was a contract keyboard player here. So I went to HR this week to see when it was that she first sat behind the keyboard at Hope. It was the same year I came on staff. 1989, 33 years ago. I look it, she doesn't. So let's hear a word from Donna. When I was 11, I started to sing and play piano in a rather large church like Hope. I had better communication with my mother. My dad really didn't know how to communicate very well. I have a memory of standing in the doorway and telling my mom, Dad hates me. She said, oh no, honey, he loves you so much. You should hear him talk to other people about you. He didn't completely know how to express that. I was aware 
I think mostly of elevated mood, more energy, more drive, more talkativeness. I know that's hard to imagine, but I think it really settled in on graduation day and I went into the restroom and I had received the highest honor that you could receive. But I looked in the mirror and I was just crying. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I should be happy. That wasn't the first time or the last time that I would think that. My eldest brother, David, he had attempted to take his life already. And he was diagnosed as manic depressive, which is what they called bipolar disorder at that time. But my mother and father both came to pick me up one day. And, and they told me that David had taken his life. I just ran in my room when I got home and um, got my Bible and it fell open to Psalm 46.1. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. As I thought about it later in life, I remembered there was a time when my mom was quite ill and she was carried out on a stretcher. And I remember that my dad, she had some pills and he flushed them <laughs> because that's what you did as a good Christian. You prayed and read your Bible. You just pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And so I learned to <laughs> just stuff and repress those kinds of thoughts and feelings until it just generated more physical illness. You know, if Psalm 91 tells us anything, it tells us that God can meet us in our horror. Now, horror is a graphic word and I almost didn't use it. But if you find yourself in situations like Donna found herself in, horror, even terror, are perfect descriptive terms. And that horror stands in, in stark contrast to the words of comfort that the psalmist uses in Psalm 91. The author uses this beautiful imagery in verse one. You will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I've always loved that. It's an expression that implies nearness. You've got to walk very close to a companion if you were to have his shadow fall upon you. And then these, these beautiful words uh, from Psalm 91, four through six, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. God can and will meet us in our horror. Will we never get hurt? Will we never get sick? Will we never have lost? No. His promise is that he will in due time deliver us out of trouble, and in the meantime, he will be with us in trouble. That image of being covered in eagle's wings, wings that are both, both strong and soft. Remember that verse that Donna quoted also from the Psalm, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. So, the horrors I speak of, they can be very, very personal because our horrors 
take many forms. I don't know what you're going through or what you have gone through. The psalmist rolled out a pretty impressive list there in Psalm 91. He, he mentions a fowler's snare. Now, a fowler is someone who traps birds. They, they, they change their traps and their methods. They use different enticements. They may even place a decoy out to draw a bird. Deadly pestilence. Now, pestilence is a word we don't use much anymore. It's a plague or a disease that overwhelms a community of people, much like the pandemic that took so many lives. Terror of night, arrows that fly by day, pestilence that stalks in the darkness, plague that destroys at midday. Donna's journey continued. When Donna went on the road after graduation to play music, she struggled with her health and with doubts about her salvation, even to the point that she contemplated suicide herself. She was so troubled and so sick that she was unable to consistently perform as a musical artist and was asked by one of the pastors in that ministry to go home. Let's hear from Donna once again. One of the pastors from this original ministry that I was a part of was starting a separate ministry in California. And he contacted me and wanted me to help build the music program out there. I had someone set their sights on me that was a handsome rogue and my father and other people thought was an important person. And so that gave me vicarious importance. I loved this person and I don't deny responsibility for allowing myself to get into a bit of a vulnerable position. It took a long time for me to understand and call it a rape. It's actually an assault. But I took all of that responsibility on myself because that's what I was used to doing. Boy, did I really not want to live after that? And I went to the leader and I confessed because I couldn't bear it. But I was asked to stand in front of a room of people, many of which I'd never met, and ask forgiveness. But somehow I managed to survive that even though that's when I really, I think started to be triggered kind of off the chain. Like realizing there is really something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. You realize why Donna is allowing us to see this, right? This is Donna's painful gift to the fellowship here. We are, we are blessed by her every week here. She is showing us that God uses us in our horror. God is bigger than our tragedy. It may take some time, but in our healing, he uses us. I talked with a guy recently whose life is very hard right now, 
and in his pain and weakness, he could choose to just wallow in it. You know what he does instead? He helps a guy and his wife who are worse off than him. Their house is falling apart and he's helping them put it back together. I've got another friend who has tremendous physical challenges. You can see it with your eyes, but you'd never know it by his spirit. Happiest guy on the planet. One of the most giving guys I know. When somebody's life hits a bump, he steps in, weakness and all, and he walks the path with the person in pain. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, for to be sure he, Jesus, was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. Be people of the truth. Work weakness to God's advantage. That's what happened on the cross, right? Did Jesus ever look weaker than he did, hanging bloody and naked on the cross? But out of his weakness, we are saved and preserved. In medicine, there's a fairly direct protocol for a broken arm. You reset the brake, you cast the arm, in six to eight weeks, much of it is over. The protocol for mental and emotional brokenness is much more elusive. There is not a bone to reset, an arm to cast, because you see our emotional wiring is complicated. In regard to mental health, we, we probably know more than we've ever known. But some of the answers to our questions have generated new questions. There is great mystery in our emotional wiring. Do we have a chemical imbalance? Are there genetic factors that come into play? What about post-traumatic stress? Emotional health is complicated, but emotional health requires a day-to-day -day commitment. Emotional health for most of us is like cleaning out the, the lint filter on the dryer. You know, you can let it go for a little bit, but it's a bad idea to let it go for long. Emotional health is like the, the ivy that climbs up the side of your oak tree. It's not gonna do any harm if you pay some regular attention to it. But you leave it alone and see how much it costs to get that dead tree down. Some of us need professional help, and I encourage you not to run from it, but to run toward it. Some of us simply need to look at our emotional health one day at a time. Can you do a few things day by day? to keep yourself emotionally well. Uh, certainly you could spend some time with God each day, that's important. Exercise maybe, sleep properly. And this may sound crazy, but for some of us, better emotional health may, may, may be three vacations away. Here are the three vacations I re recommend to all of us. I think we all need to take an hour vacation every day. I think we all need to take a day vacation every month. And we all need a week vacation every year or two if we can get it. Let's spend one last time with Donna. I met and married the father of my two children. Not long after my daughter was born, my dad called me one night and told me that Kenny, my other brother, had taken his life. You know, these 
like seminal moments in your life, you can just relive them in your mind. Dropping to my knees and going, how could you do that? You said you would never do that. But God was so good to me. Because even though there was a chasm between us, the last words that I ever said to him were, I love you. It was at that time that I had my first uh, clinical depression. I finally said, I gotta find some help. It wasn't hard to make a diagnosis for me, given my family history, because there's a strong genetic component to bipolar disorder. So my mom, she was mostly up. I didn't see the part where she was in bed for three months after I left home. The presentation can look a little different for everyone. So even with all of that family history, it, I didn't have that ding, ding, ding moment that you would think a person would have. But it's not uncommon for it to take a decade or more for a person to get an accurate diagnosis. The fact that most people don't go to the doctor when they feel too good, they go when they're depressed. So they might be given one kind of medication, but it's not everything they need if you're actually bipolar. If there'd been somebody at some point in my life that I saw as a Christian and they got up and said, I struggle with this, but I manage it, I would have gone, oh, what a relief, there's a name for this. I was feeling somewhat better. I remember the first time I took a medication and just standing there and thinking, this is what it feels like to feel normal. I was just kind of on the cusp of getting some traction and I was actually blindsided by the end of my marriage. God has his plan for each and every life. And as inadequate as I might have felt at different times, my belief in the sovereignty of God is the thing that has kept me going. The only reason I share this is in the event that it would be helpful to someone else if there was somebody who was not understanding the deep and precious value of life, every life, that they would be able to see and experience the love that God has for them, that he uniquely made them, and that he has had. Yeah, God loves you and has a plan for your life but that's really what it is. So just that they would hold on. One more thought. It's inspired by Donna's story. Spiritual trust feeds emotional health. Spiritual trust feeds emotional health. Like I said, this deal is complicated. Some of us need medication. Some of us need therapy. But some of us simply need to trust. 
You know what a ropes course is? It's sort of an obstacle course in the trees. They put a harness on you and a safety cable and you walk through a course of uh, trees on wires or whatever it might be, 30 or 40 feet up in the air. There's a, there's a ropes course at Windy Gap, a, a Young Life Camp in North Carolina. And at the end of the course, there is this, this seat that is probably 45, 50 feet in the air. And when you get into that spot, you actually fasten a seat belt. And the, the ropes course guy or lady then fastens you to a cable that is about 30 feet long. At the other end of the cable is attached uh, the other end of the cable is attached to a pole that is stretched between two trees. You got it? it it's really a giant swing. And as soon as you leave that seat, you will, you will free fall 30 feet until that cable completely catches you. And then you'll swing back and forth for four or five minutes till the human pendulum stops. The reason you're seat belted in is because the weight of a 30 foot steel cable is enough to snatch you right off the seat. And you realize that immediately when the ropes wrangler snaps that carabiner and you feel the tug. And so there you sit 45 feet in the air fastened to a cable that's gonna pull you into space as soon as you un unfasten your seatbelt. Some people spend 30 minutes in that seat until they screw up enough courage to fly. They cry, they ask all sorts of questions, they talk to Jesus, maybe for the very first time. They call the rope wrangler all sorts of names. And then, either out of shame or frustration or newfound courage, they fly. So some people take forever. Some people totally freak. We, we never tell the kids that there's an escape hatch to this swing, that we've got a way to lower them down without having them leap, but some people just lose it and we rescue them. And then some people get hooked in. The wrangler tells them to release the seatbelt. They reach over, they do it immediately, and they are gone. You know why? They trust the cable. They are confident that they are safe. We owe Donna a great debt of gratitude. Let me ask you a question. Seeing Donna week in and week out on the stage, would you have ever known? Could you have ever imagined? I saw a t-shirt this week that said this. On the front it simply said, be kind. And on the back it said, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Let me repeat what Donna said to us about her ordeals. Here's what she said. My belief in the sovereignty of God is the thing that has kept me going. What does that mean exactly? It means this. All things are under God's rule and control, and nothing happens without his permission. God runs everything. It's a very high view of God, so that, that even when Donna faced horror, her trust in his ultimate goodness and grace and mercy sustained her, even in the free fall. She knew the cable would be secure. Let's pray together. Father God, with a crowd this size and those watching online, I know that we have some people in free fall right now, hoping and praying 
that the cable is secure. Father, I thank you that it is and that you will give them peace to know that. Father, some of us are facing horror now. Some of us have faced it in the past and we'll all face something very difficult in the future. I pray that we might understand and always be reminded that you never leave us nor forsake us. You are there in the horror. That we are under your shadow because you are so near. Father, we are forever grateful for that. And we pray that we might believe it deep in our souls. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.